0: Morning, everyone. So um, it feels like a long time since we've been together. It's only been a few weeks, but it it feels like a long time. Uh, It's really nice to be back again. Uh, I I was getting ready, getting washed in the bathroom this morning, and I was getting quite excited because it feels like coming back home in a way, coming back here again after a few weeks away. Um, I hope most of you have had a break over the summer, managed to relax a little bit. Debbie and I went up to Scotland for a couple of weeks, um, had a a good rest up there. But I've got two questions before we start. So the first is, are you excited to be back? Yes. Yes? Good. Excellent. I'm really pleased about that. Second thing, are you ready for change? Oh, not quite so enthusiastic about that one. It sort of uh, depends what the change is. Mm. Yeah, Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I think we are entering a really interesting time with the church here. Um, As many of you know, uh, the the leaders, we, we got together at the end of July for a couple of days retreat to kind of reflect and look at where we're going and what God was laying on our heart for the church. And I think something that that we feel strongly that God has been speaking to us for a little while about is growth in the church. And when we're talking about growth, we're talking about lots of different aspects, in fact. Growing individually in our walk with Jesus, growing together as a church in our walk with Jesus and with God, but also looking forward to growth in numbers, having new people coming into the church here. And we think that God is calling us to growth in all of those areas. So that's going to be exciting. But it's going to mean some change as well. If we're going to fulfill that, if that's our vision for part of the future for the church, that's going to involve some change as well. Uh, This is attributed to Albert Einstein. I I don't know if it's actually something he said or not, but it's commonly attributed to him. The purest form of insanity is to leave everything the same and at the same time hope that things will change. And I'm not sure that's necessarily always true, but there is a lot of truth in that. right? If you just do the same thing time and time again, you're going to get the same result. It's not going to be different. If we want change, if we want growth, if we think that God is speaking to us about these things, we're going to have to think and behave a little bit differently. We were expecting a while ago that we might be moving into the old co-op building around about now. And we did quite a lot of work, I guess, preparing for that. But God had different plans. And I guess we don't know exactly what God's plans are yet, right? Uh, We we feel pretty sure that within the foreseeable future, we're not going to be necessarily meeting here on a Sunday morning, but we don't know where. But where we meet on a Sunday, where we do our activities during the week, that isn't the important thing, is it? It is important because it helps us do stuff, But the important thing is us. We are the church. And it's God's plans for us that we need to focus on. So this is really just a a kind of introductory talk to set the scene. Over the next few weeks and few months, we're going to have a number of talks that are focusing on this area of growth. I'm really looking forward to them because I think we're going to have some really good talks and I think we're going to have some challenges that each of us have to face up to. And we'll see where it leads us. We'll see where it leads us. But I want to start just by taking a step back for a second. The whole Bible is an incredible story, all right? When you look at the Bible, you've got this unified story throughout the whole of the Bible of how we as humans kind of decided that, that we knew best, that we could do things without God's help, that, that we could become like God, if you like. We didn't really need his help. So we turned our back on God because we thought we could do things better. And then the rest of the Bible is all about God's relentless love for each one of us passionate love, how he never gives up on us. And throughout history, he gradually reveals more and more of himself and the way that he wants to bring us back into relationship with him. And ultimately, it comes down to the point where God says, right, I'm going to come down and meet with you. And Jesus, who was God, walked amongst us. Jesus lived with us. Jesus showed better than any other way what God was actually like, actually revealed that to us by walking amongst us. And he not only walked amongst us, shared in our pain and our suffering, but he died for us. He died for us on the cross. He rose again to bring us into that relationship with God, to show that death is not the answer, that he has the answer to death, that we have new life in him. And so we have this unified story of this love that God has for us. In my daily readings, I've been going through Matthew recently, and Matthew's a a really interesting gospel to to read. And It's great to be able to read over a few days the the kind of story of Jesus and how he lived and, and walked amongst us. But Matthew was writing his gospel for other Jews that were living. And he really wanted to kind of emphasize that Jesus was the fulfillment of so many prophecies in the Old Testament. So when you look at Matthew, the Gospel starts with the, the genealogy, the family tree of Jesus. And Matthew was making some really important points because the, the Jews, the Israelites living at that time, they, they were anticipating a Messiah. Messiah was going to be the, this, this king, this eternal king that was going to rescue them that was going to be born from the line of David, King David. And so Matthew shows that Jesus was a descendant of David, there to fulfill this prophecy, to be an eternal king for the Jews. But he wasn't just a descendant of David. Matthew shows that he was a descendant of Abraham as well. And God's promise to Abraham was that he was going to bless everyone, every nation through Abraham. So Jesus was a descendant of Abraham and was going to bless every nation, every person on the earth. And the Jews were also anticipating a prophet greater than Moses. Moses told them that there would be a prophet greater than me that will come they were anticipating this prophet that was going to be greater than moses and when you look at the beginning of matthew he talks about the way that mary and joseph fled to egypt to avoid the killing of jesus by herod right so they went and lived in egypt and jesus came out of egypt just as the israelites were rescued from egypt after Jesus' baptism, he spent 40 days in the wilderness. And that reflected the 40 years that the Israelites wandered in the wilderness. And after he'd spent those 40 days in the wilderness, the next thing that Matthew takes us to is where he goes up the mountain and starts to preach to the people, reflecting the journey of Moses up to the mountain where he met with God. And then... Jesus goes up the mountain and we get this amazing few chapters where Jesus starts to talk about the kingdom of God and starts to tell people what the kingdom of God is going to be like. And he's talking to them about this kingdom and a kingdom needs a king and he's effectively claiming that he is the king of this new kingdom. And this new kingdom is nothing like what they expected. It's a completely upside-down, topsy-turvy kingdom where the last are going to be first and the first are going to be last and all sorts of teaching that, that goes on that must have been blowing their minds. But Jesus is effectively saying, this is the kingdom of God and it's coming right now among you. This is God's kingdom. It's not what you were expecting because you misinterpreted so much of what my father said to you in the past. But this is what he meant. So you have this Sermon on the Mount where Jesus lays out what it means for the new kingdom. And then he comes down and he starts putting that kingdom into practice. He starts healing the sick. He starts giving sight to the blind. He starts casting out demons. He starts forgiving sins. Who can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And he starts raising people from the dead. This is the new kingdom that's actually coming amongst them. It must have been incredible, right? (laughs) Absolutely incredible. And then it moves on to Matthew, end of chapter 9 and beginning of chapter 10. And I just want to read a a few verses from those two chapters. So Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus called his disciples together and sent out the 12, with these instructions. Go and announce that the kingdom of heaven is near. Give, give as freely as you have received. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes, And as harmless as doves. But be aware. When you are arrested. Don't worry about how to respond. Or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it's not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father. Speaking through you. Now. I've skipped out some of the verses. If you want to read the whole thing please do when you go back home and and kind of read the background to all of this. But this is the point at which Jesus gets his disciples together, his students, and he says, you're going to have to help me here. You go out. I'm sending you out with my power. You go out and spread the news that the kingdom of heaven is coming right now. So, That was a bit of a long introduction, (laughs) but the title for the talk that I've got this morning is A Culture of Evangelism. A Culture of Evangelism. Why we, as a church, need to develop a culture of evangelism, of sharing the good news about Jesus. Because we've got this treasure that God has given us, right? God has redeemed us. He's he's paid the price. We've been singing about that just now. That Jesus died on the cross to bear our sin, to bear our rebellion against God, and to make it right with God, to bring us into relationship with God. And just as with the disciples, Jesus is saying to us, go out and share this news. Go out and tell people that the kingdom of heaven has begun. Right now, the kingdom of heaven has begun. It's not finished, but it's begun. So, there are probably two things that people talk about in church that kind of get a oh, no, not that. kind of reaction. One is probably talking about money and giving, (laughs) which is never something that you look forward to talking about. And maybe the other is evangelism. And I have to say, uh, Steve normally puts together the the list of talks and sends it out and kind of says to people, what do you feel that you want to Talk about what is God asking you or what's on your heart out of this list of talks. And I I normally email Steve back and I say, I'm not going to cherry pick anything. Um, Let me know what's left or let me know what you would like me to speak on because I, I, I kind of like to be challenged. And so I like somebody to say, yeah, talk about this. Because I can tell you I would never have chosen to get up and talk about evangelism i am not an evangelist let's get that absolutely clear i'm not an evangelist i would not have chosen to talk about this and so what i'm talking about this morning is a talk to myself as much as it is to any of you and probably more to myself than any of you okay so i just want to make that clear (laughs) i'm talking to myself as much as to anybody else here but We know that there's lots of ways that evangelism is done badly. But there's lots of ways that evangelism can be done well. And we're called to tell people the good news about the kingdom of God. Some are naturally good at it, and I know some of you are really good at doing this. Some of us are not that good at it. But as I was thinking about this topic, there, there are really two things that struck me that if we're going to get into evangelism, if all of us are going to be part of this and part of telling people the good news about the kingdom of God, there are two really important things for each of us. And the first thing is we just have to get excited about what God has done for us. We have to be excited about this. This is a quote from Bear Grylls. And Jesus, the heart of the Christian faith, is the wildest, most radical guy you would ever come across. And he is, right? Jesus is absolutely radical. If we don't get excited about Jesus, if we don't get excited about God, if we don't get excited about what he has done for us How are we ever going to be able to share that amazing truth about what God has done for us? The love, the relentless love that God has for every single one of us. That love that would stop at nothing to win us back. Even death on the cross. Because he loved you and he loved me. John's revelation at, at the end of uh, the Bible. One of the verses there that, that always serves as a warning, to me at least, is that judgment of Jesus on the church at Laodicea, where he talks about the church doing so many good things but his judgment was you've become lukewarm you've lost your first love and for me that's such a powerful thing you know we need to regain that sense of wonder and awe of what God has done for us and the cost of what he's done for us because if we understand that, if we have that sense that we had perhaps when we first said to Jesus, Yeah, I give my life to you. Get that passion back again to understand just how radical and countercultural this kingdom of God is. Jesus was a radical revolutionary. When you read about what he said and the things he did, you know, his miracles were just incredible, right? (laughs) I mean, raising people from the dead, blind seeing, forgiving sins, these are incredible things. But he turned expectations upside down. He showed that the kingdom of God was about a completely radical way of thinking. He was the king. He was ushering in a new era. This was the start of God's rule on earth. This was the start of God's kingdom. He was always running up against the religious leaders because he was challenging the assumptions of the day. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor, blessed are the merciful, blessed are those who work for peace, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you when people mock and curse you because you're my followers. This wasn't just a social revolution that Jesus was bringing into place. This was the start of God's kingdom, of God's rule. And one day, that will be completely fulfilled. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. But right now, we're in an age where that kingdom is beginning to take shape. And Jesus was showing what it was to be obedient to God and to his will. And to live in His kingdom. Rico Tice is uh, an evangelist that works at uh, or works out of All Souls Church, Langham Place in London. He's written a book, uh, Honest Evangelism. It, it's actually a really good book. It's a short book. Um, I'd recommend it uh, because it's a really good honest look at evangelism and he makes the point that there are people that have gifts of evangelism and they are there to help empower the rest of us but all of us all of us are given the commission to share the good news about Jesus and God's kingdom all of us are given that commission And he makes the point that if we engage with sharing the good news about Jesus, there will always be pain lines. There will always be times when what we say will cause offence or will cause people to turn away. And... He says, of course, whenever we talk about Jesus, whenever we talk about God, we have to do it gently and respectfully. We have to think carefully about how we are doing it. But even in doing that, if we speak openly about Jesus, there are times when it will cause offense. We live in an age of tolerance. Cultural tolerance, religious tolerance. Tolerance is seen as something hugely important to the extent that people who hold strong beliefs, as we do, about God and about Jesus, that's not seen as something particularly good in our current climate, our culture. And we have to fight against that. If we speak out about Jesus there will be times when that causes offence. There will be times when that is painful. Jesus knew that was going to be the case. He said to his disciples, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. Because there are some people when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about God, when we talk about his kingdom, they're not going to want to know. And that's okay. That's not our responsibility to convince them to hear. That's just how it's going to be. And Jesus said, if that happens to you, shake the dust off your sandals. Know that that's not your responsibility after that. Your responsibility is to share the good news, this fantastic, great news about the kingdom and about Jesus and what he's done for us. And if somebody doesn't want to hear that, that's not your responsibility. You've gone as far as you need to go. Are we ever ashamed of the cross? Uh, that great verse in Romans where Paul says, I am not ashamed of the cross. But are we ever ashamed of the cross? Are there ever times when God gives us opportunities to talk about Jesus, what he's done for each of us, and we take an easy option because we don't want to cause offense. We don't want to cross that pain line where somebody might reject what we have to say. This is Paul's letter to Galatians. For, am I now seeking approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And what are we? Are we servants of Christ? Or are there times when actually We think more about whether it's going to cause upset or offence to somebody rather than is this going to cause upset or offence to God by not saying something. And please, I'm not advocating that we do things insensitively at the wrong time. But how many times does God give us opportunities that we fail to take? that we fail to take, maybe because we don't have that passion within our hearts, that passion that says, you know, I I can't help but share this because I know what Jesus has done. I know the price that God paid to show his love. Rico Tice talks about this being the 18-inch drop from your head to your heart. The fact that You know, we we can come here. We can meet on a Sunday. We can get swept up in worship. And in our minds, you know, we can be open to all of that and it can be wonderful. And then what difference does it make when we go back out through these doors for the rest of the week? Does it actually make a difference to what we do? Does it move from our head to our heart? Does it really fill us with that passion That we can't not tell people about the good news of God's kingdom that has come right here, right now. The 18-inch drop from the head to the heart can be a long journey sometimes. Jesus talked about it in terms of the sower and the seed that was scattered, and some of the seed fell on good ground and was fruitful. We need that deep, deep hunger for God. We need to be on fire for Jesus. We need to recognize the cost of what he has done for every one of us. And be prepared to be his hands and his feet and his mouth in a world that needs to hear the good news of god's kingdom because it's fantastic news isn't it Mm. it is fantastic news we need to be on fire for god david watson who was vicar one of the churches in york many of you will, will know about david watson and the preaching and the the books that he wrote but always remember when he talked about being filled with the Spirit, he always talked about it being like a glass. Us, if we are filled with the Spirit, we are like a glass that is absolutely full to the brim. And if that glass gets knocked, what happens? It spills over. It gets knocked and it spills over. Isn't that what should be happening with us? If we get knocked, the love of God, His Spirit in us should be the thing that spills out. If we get knocked, if we get challenged, we should be able to spill out the good news about God's kingdom, which is coming. It's here and now, and one day it will be fulfilled and every tear will be wiped away because God is restoring his relationship with us, with a broken world, with a broken creation. And one day... Everything is going to be made new. So we need to have that hunger. We need to have that passion. We need to have that fire within us. And the second thing, just really briefly to finish with, we need an emphasis on prayer as well. This is something that I I think we will be looking at in coming weeks and months as well a renewed emphasis on prayer. We're going to have a week of prayer coming up shortly. Sometimes I think we think about evangelism and sharing this good news about Jesus the wrong way because we think that it's our responsibility. And it is a responsibility that that God has given us. Jesus said, you know, go and tell people about this good news. Tell them about the good news. Tell them about my father. But we're not expected to do that in our own strength. It's through the power of God. You know, when Jesus sent his disciples, he said to them, You know, you're going to come up against resistance. You are sheep amongst wolves. You're going to be arrested. And you're going to worry about what you're going to say, but you don't have to worry about it. Because my Father will give you the words to say. Through His Spirit, He will give you the words to say. It's relying on God and what He can do for us. Praying constantly. You wouldn't expect a miracle to happen without prayer, right? If you wanted to see... God moving and healing somebody here this morning, you wouldn't expect that to happen without prayer. Yeah, that's reasonable. You would ask God for something. I would suggest that all of us are living miracles. What greater miracle is there than being raised to life? And God has said, I've given you my spirit, my spirit in you. That's the down payment that you're going to have eternal life with me and the Father. That's the down payment that you are now a son and a daughter of God. The kingdom is coming and you're the son and daughters, sons and daughters that are part of this kingdom. Death has no victory because beyond death there's resurrection and there's life with God. Everybody that comes to Jesus that simply says to Jesus I recognize my need for you. I want to have a restored relationship with God. I recognize that you died on the cross for me that you have the power to save me. Everybody that does that has a miracle take place in their lives. And we need to pray for those miracles. We need to be praying and praying for the work that we do, for the people that we come across. For us to be effective witnesses. For our church, us to be transformed. For our church to grow. We've got to get down on our knees and we've got to pray. The week of prayer that's coming up, I, I would just challenge everybody. You know, That's a great opportunity for us to come together with a renewed urgency. To pray about our mission in this town, in this community. To have a renewed reliance on God. To ask for a fresh outpouring of his spirit amongst us. To make us on fire for him. To share the good news about Jesus with our friends, with our colleagues at work. With those who God brings us into contact with. We are citizens of heaven. We are living on earth as people of the resurrection. And that's fantastic, isn't it? That is thats is the kingdom of God happening right now, right here amongst us. Let us be filled, filled to overflowing with the joy of God's love. Constantly in prayer and seeking always to take out this message of hope that we have in our hearts. And wouldn't it be great if every Sunday we could leave a note like that on the door when we leave whatever building we're in. Because it's made the journey from our head to our hearts. Father God, I just want to thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for what you have done for me. Father, for the price that you paid to restore that relationship with me that you sent Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross. Father, there, there there are truths here that are so profound. And there is a love here that's beyond comprehension. That you love us this much, that you want to have a relationship with us, that you want us to be able to enjoy life to its fullest, with you. And Father, that you would stop at nothing to do that for each one of us. That Father, your, your love goes beyond every boundary that we could ever imagine. That into the darkest night, you reach out and you call us and you say, I want you. I want you. Father thank you thank you for that incredible love for that love that would stop at nothing thank you for the life that we can enjoy knowing you being a part of your kingdom and Father today just help us to be on fire for you to have a a renewed filling of your spirit within each of our lives Father that that we just can't help but speak about what you have done for us. And that, Father, as a church, as your people here, we would take seriously the responsibility of helping to establish your kingdom, of sharing the good news that you sent Jesus for each one of us. So, Father, help us Fill us with your spirit now. And Father, if there is anyone here this morning that doesn't know you or isn't sure, Father, open up that door. If there's anybody here this morning that, that wants to know Jesus, don't leave here this morning without speaking to somebody, somebody you came with, speak to Pete, speak to myself, speak to somebody. If you're hearing the voice of God, if you're feeling his hand reaching out to you, his love (coughs) reaching out to you this morning, don't walk away from it. Don't walk away from it. Amen.